This is a Daily Wildcat production. Hello, Wildcats! My name is Vanessa Ontiveros, Daily Wildcat News Editor, and this is Bear Down, Listen Up, the newest thing in campus news. Brought to you by the Daily Wildcat and Camp Student Radio. Welcome to our ASUA Election Special Edition. With me today are our two political correspondents. Hi, I'm Priya Jandu. Hi, I'm Randall Eck. Some of you listeners may remember Randall from our ASUA political correspondent segment, and loyal readers of the Daily Wildcat may recognize Priya's name from our ASUA notebooks. But they will be back later in the episode to discuss the upcoming election, in which most of the candidates are running unopposed. But first, let's take a look at campus crime in Police Beat. Police Beat brings you the most interesting cases regarding crime on campus each week. This week, a man on the run made one last request to a University of Arizona Police Department officer, that he let him finish his stolen beer first. On March 7th, a police aide spotted two men running from the Circle K convenience store on the corner of Speedway Boulevard and Park Avenue. He confirmed with the Circle K clerk that the men running away had just shoplifted beer. Another officer spotted the same two men later. They took off running in opposite directions when they saw him. The officer located one of the men, hiding in an alley near a shed. When the officer found him, he was drinking one of the stolen beers. The officer told him to stand up and come out. The man began to chug his beer and told the officer to just let him, quote, finish this one. Police did not note whether or not the man was allowed to finish the drink before the officer arrested him for shoplifting. The second man was not found. The man they did find had a Pima County warrant out on him for theft, false reporting to law enforcement, and failure to appear. The officers transported him to Pima County Jail, where he was booked on the warrant and shoplifting charges. All information was obtained from UAPD reports. This story was originally reported by yours truly, Vanessa Ontiveros. You can read the full thing and others like it at wildcat.arizona.edu. For more on campus crime, check out the Daily Wildcat's other podcast, Wildcat Crime. And now for our top stories. Recently, UA was ranked as one of the top producers of Fulbright scholars in the country. Eight students and faculty members at UA have received Fulbright grants to help fund the incredible research they do. Here to talk about it is Daily Wildcat news reporter Marquise White. How are you doing today, Marquise? I'm doing great. That's great. So Marquise, what exactly is the Fulbright Program? So the Fulbright Program is a government-funded project funded by the U.S. Department of State, and it sends students and faculty abroad to uh, do different research and studies uh, with the goal of promoting peace and diplomacy uh, around the world. Wow, that sounds pretty cool. So what's an example of some of the work Wildcats have done using the Fulbright Grants? So right now, uh, a professor here at the university, Robert Fleshman, he's out in Italy right now studying how we could better design architecture to survive earthquakes. And so how exactly did UA become a top producing institute of Fulbright scholars? I mean, everyone knows UA does pretty awesome research, but that's incredible that we're ranked number three in the country. Well, it really speaks to 
the capability of our students and faculty here at the UA. Basically, you have to have six scholars to be a top producing university, and our university has eight. And, you know, for the past several years, we've been top producing in either students or scholars. All right. Well, thanks for filling us in on that, Marquise. To read Marquise's full story, go to www.wildcat.arizona.edu. Thank you for tuning in. This is Mark Lawson. Last year, UA campus banned electric scooters, but the city of Tucson has agreed to a pilot program to potentially reintroduce the scooters back to the city. How will this all work? Here to tell us all about that is Daily Wildcat Engagement Editor Eddie Salaya. Eddie, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, so the scooters are still banned on campus, but the UA is working with the city about updating regulations. Where do you see all this kind of going about? Okay, the first thing that's going to happen is the city and U of A are going to work out uh, probably along University Boulevard, Fifth Avenue, Speedway, and Campbell, somewhere for people using these devices to park them because the university still does not want anybody actually riding them on the campus. But from what I've been able to speak with uh, parking and transportation services, right now they are setting up, I'm not sure how many areas, but areas that people will be able to drop these scooters, leave them in basically, end and start their rides. So nationwide, these scooters are pretty popular. What have other cities done about these potential problems? Uh, so it kind of ranges uh, ranges a gamut here. So you've got on one end Santa Monica, kind of like ground zero for where these e-scooters were introduced. Uh, the companies Lime and um, Bird in particular just kind of came in and, and then literally just dropped them off uh, on the beach. Uh, and it took about three or four months for the city to really have a some sort of infrastructure in place to kind of control them. Uh, and then there's on the other spectrum, there's places like Memphis um, where they've, they, they kind of controlled what it was going to be like for these companies coming in. They did not just have them drop it off on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, they actually started with pilot programs and progressed from there. Um, obviously, in those cities, they control the numbers a little bit more. Uh, they're not as densely populated as areas in California. Um, but there are definitely different ways to go about uh, implementing a scooter system. Potentially keep an eye out for electric scooters on U of A campus sometime soon. This has been Mark Lawson and Eddie Salaya. Thanks for tuning in. And now for our election coverage. As I said at the top of the episode, the ASUA election is coming up, but most of the candidates are running unopposed. In fact, only two positions have multiple candidates in them. The at-large student body senator, which has five people running for three positions, and the senator for the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences, which has two candidates running for one position. Here to talk about this election are the two reporters who have been very dedicatedly covering it, Priya Jandu and Randall Eck. So, Priya and Randall, what makes this election different from other ones in the past that you know of? In past elections, we've seen multiple candidates compete for presidential and vice presidential positions, so many so that primary elections had to be held. It's very unique that this year, uh, ASUA's elections director, Marlon Freeman, decided to cancel primary elections because there's just not enough interest in being ASUA candidates. Another thing ASUA has struggled in the past with is achieving a large voter turnout for these elections, for their ASUA elections, 
And I, I predict that they will have similar problems this year. So what are some of the platforms that each of the executive candidates are running on? So Cindy House is running for student body president, and her main three platforms are student advocacy, community, and civic engagement, and mental health awareness. Bennett Adamson is the executive vice presidential candidate. He wants to increase efficiency, visibility, and purpose within the Senate and clubs. His main focuses are to streamline the process of getting clubs approved for funding and recognition. Kate Rosenstengel is the candidate running for administrative vice president. Um, and she's the only one of the three executive candidates running for re-election, right? Yes, she is. So when she is most likely re-elected as AVP, she wants to continue what she started this year, which includes bringing more awareness to ASUA's programs and services and continue advocating for the expansion of I Will Week. So, Randall, you might be able to speak to this a little bit more um, because you attended the Senate Q&A on Wednesday. How is the Senate race this year different from the executive race? Well, for one thing, the candidates running in the Senate race don't have any ASUA experience. All the executive candidates have previously served in the ASUA Senate and other positions within the organization. ASUA's Senate election is also the only election that has some competitive races. The only competitive race most students will vote in is for at-large senator, which features five different candidates competing for three spots. So the College of Architecture, Planning, and Landscape Architecture does not have a candidate running for ASUA Senate, which means that after this current Senate is elected, they will most likely choose to appoint a member from the college that is interested in serving. So let's talk a little bit more about this lack of candidates in ASUA elections. Just from reading the notebooks, I noticed that they were trying to do things to increase outreach this year and increase awareness, but it's pretty safe to say that didn't work as most of these categories are non-competitive categories really this year. You've each been talking to people involved in ASUA. What has kind of been the consensus on why so few people are running? While ASUA definitely engaged in more outreach within the university community this year to um, recruit new candidates, they weren't as visible or as vocal on issues as they have been in the past. Um, my freshman year, um, U of A president uh, at the time, or ASUA president at the time, Michael Finnegan, actually was at the state legislature multiple times during the year, um, giving the student voice to state legislators on specific issues, even clashing with the administration. And, and being in the news and raising student voices like that raises ASUA's profile and encourages other students to run for these positions because they can see the voice or impact they can have. ASUA definitely has been working behind the scenes this semester to help students, but not, not projecting that into the public sphere maybe has, um, has driven a lot of students to think, what does ASUA do for them? Well, it may do a lot, but if they don't see that happening around campus or see that at the state legislature or see that on the TV or on news, then maybe they, uh, they will assume nothing. Um, so Kendall Washington White attended the executive candidate Q&A yesterday, and she kind of mentioned that ASUA can seem like a very exclusive club in order to become involved with ASUA. A lot of candidates have run for freshman class council, which a lot of students on campus aren't even aware of. One of the ways that the ASU executive office candidates addressed the barriers to entry was possibly increasing the stipends that ASUA members receive. Um, they've mentioned previously that 
these stipends can be incredibly limiting as it is basically a full-time job and they have to dedicate a lot of time to their jobs. So um, they think that increasing stipends would enable more people to get involved and kind of consider ASUA a full-time job. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how this election and future elections turn out. Um, One last thing before we go, where can interested students vote? So elections are on next Monday and Tuesday. That's March 25th and 26th. Go to elections.asua.arizona.edu to vote. There will also be a polling station um, near Scoop in the Student Union, and that station will be there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., both days. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Randall and Priya have been producing some great articles regarding this election. To read them, go to wildcat.arizona.edu. From the Daily Wildcat and Camp Student Radio, this has been Bear Down, Listen Up. We'll be back soon. Until then, bear down. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bear Down, Listen Up, brought to you by the Daily Wildcat and Camp Student Radio. This episode was written and recorded by Vanessa Ontiveros, Marquise White, Eddie Celaya, Mark Lawson, Randall Eck, and Priya Jandu. Edited by Vanessa Ontiveros. Recorded in Camp Studios. Our logo was designed by Nick Trujillo. Our music was Being Happy by Purple Planet Music. The full version of each story and many others are available on our website, www.wildcat.arizona.edu. To contact the show, please email vanessao at dailywildcat.com. Thanks for listening!